Hey everybody, I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for checking out localjobnetwork.com radio. You found Moving Up the Ladder, where we bring you experienced professionals with insight into enhancing the success of your career. Sometimes all you really need is a little direction to get you moving, and we hope to do that today by offering up some strategies that work for the most talented self-starters. Joining me to discuss these secrets today is Ben Sands. He is an author, coach, and the founder of Regret Free Life, and you can find him writing at regretfreelife.net. Again, getting a lot of these tips and strategies that we'll be talking about today as well. Ben, how's it going today? Hey, it's going great, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Oh, definitely. A pleasure to have you. And uh, of course, the idea of motivation or being a self-starter, that comes up a lot when you're talking about employees and the, the quote-unquote daily grind. Is it ever easy for people to get themselves going and, and be that self-starter that we, we all like to believe we can be? Sure. And, uh, and I, I wrote a recent article on this again. I said, you know, you see so often that word self-starter, driven, motivated on resumes. And, uh, and I think that there's a number of times, any number of times that we can be self-starters, but it's typically when we know exactly what we have to do. We know exactly how to do it and we know exactly how long or how hard it will be. That's when it's easy to be a self-starter, um, when the, the parameters and the responsibilities are clear. Unfortunately, life isn't always like that. And I, I mean, obviously, that's a great point that most people are probably hearing you say, oh, yeah, that, that does sound easy. Uh, do you know anybody like that? So what makes it difficult then in those cases where you don't, where you're maybe unsure about, uh, as you said, what the parameters are? What really makes it difficult then to, to get going in those cases? Well, yeah, I think there's a few things that are sort of working against us, kind of conspiring to hold us back from mm-hmm. being the kind of self-starter that we really want to be. The first is that the modern work environment is changing. And it's changing at a, a pace that it's almost hard to imagine. Our work environments are becoming increasingly global, uh, increasingly interconnected, and increasingly matrixed. So we're working with people from around the country, if not the world. Each individual in our organization often wears a variety of different hats. Mm-hmm. They may report to a variety of different people. And as a result, the kind of work that we're being asked to do is just different than work that we've ever had to do historically. Very rarely are we asked to do one specific thing over and over and over and over again. More often than not, we're asked to do one specific thing. And then depending on how that goes, we'll <laughs> do this, that, or the other thing. And as a result, it creates a lot of ambiguity in our day-to-day working life. And that ambiguity creates the uncertainty and the apprehension that holds us back from just picking up and going and doing the work that we have to do. Sure. Uh, and I think that's the biggest challenge for the, the modern day self-starter is to overcome that uncertainty and maintain your ability to start even when you lack that clear understanding of how long the task will take or how hard it will be. Maintaining that motivation when the path forward becomes you know, increasingly challenging or uncertain and amb- ambiguous and maintaining that motivation and drive when you start to second guess yourself whether or not the effort that you're putting out or going to put into the project right. will ultimately be worth it. Well, and of course, you know, we think about people who maybe we look up to or that we just recognize as being those terrific self-starters. From the people you've been around or maybe even yourself, do you have a certain attitude that comes across? Is there a certain just general aura of these people that, that you could point to? And we'll get into some details in a moment, but I'm just thinking more in the general kind of scheme of things. Is there a, a certain trend you see? You know, Tim, there is. And, you know, I have made it a habit to, to study the lives of, of 
hyper successful people. In my, my work, I try to help others kind of define their path forward by learning from their role models, the people who today are living the life that they want to live, that are doing the kind of work that they want to do, and learn from essentially what do they do, not just the big picture things for the jobs that they took and, mm. and the, the roles that they had, but what do they do every single day that enables them to create the kind of life that, that, you, that they're living and that you hope to live? And at its core, what I, what I see, Tim, is that you know, these folks are typically referred to as self-starters, these, these regret-free role models, as I like to call them. But more than willpower, these self-starters almost always have a relentless focus on structure hmm. and self-discipline that complements their desire to go and do and make things happen with some routine foundational habits that ensure that they can start even when they don't know exactly what to do or how to do it. Well, it's interesting there you bring up routine and structure because I think that's that's one of the points I wanted to get to that, that you had brought up in the article you mentioned. And it's the idea of what goes on that first part of the day, that morning that, uh, you know, that some of us just think, hey, we're, we're getting up and getting ready to go and, and that's it. What's the difference between those real true self-starters and maybe the general public who hasn't reached that point yet? I think it may be over, overstated uh, or, you know, it's been said before, I should say, but I, I don't think it can be overstated mm-hmm. that guys and gals who are crushing it at work and in life almost always dominate that first part of their day. Hmm. The first couple of hours of the day seem to differentiate everybody who's really moving ahead and moving forward from everybody else. I'll paint uh, two scenarios for you. Scenario A is what I, I see more often than not among the men and women who come to me and say, you know what, I've got everything in the world going for me. I've, I've got drive. I've got natural intelligence. I've got access to resources. But for whatever reason, this life that I'm living today is not exactly the, the caliber uh, of life that I hoped I'd be living, right? I want to make some kind of change. Mm-hmm. And so I ask them, well, what's the start of the day look like? And they say, well, you know, what time do you get up? Oh, it doesn't, whatever time, six o'clock, six thirty, seven thirty, what, what have you. <laughs> so what's the very first thing that you do? Well, I typically turn off the alarm and the alarm is on my phone and the phone is sitting on my nightstand. And so I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm in bed. I turn off the phone. I turn off the alarm on my phone. And what do you think the very first thing they do, Tim, when after they turn that alarm off? I'm gonna These get, are the folks who are, who are struggling right yeah, now. I'm going to guess they're looking at, uh, you know, social media type uh, sites on their phone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Either social media or their email. Right, right. Right. Neither of which is doing anything to help set them up for success <laughs> that day. Right. The alternative scenario. Right. Is the, the true self-starter, the, the kind of guys and gals that we, we want to become. More often than not, they do not use your, their cell phone uh, to, to wake them up. They have a, a traditional alarm clock or some of them are just waking up naturally, but they don't even put that temptation close enough. They don't put it close. So it can't be a temptation. Right. right? They wake up and they almost always have a very systematic set of behaviors that allow them to start their day in exactly the way that they want to start. It allows them to do things that set themselves up for success. And I think of this as, you know, at at its core, it's sort of your first 90 minutes Mm -hmm. of the day. And these guys and gals, as they get out of bed, more often than not, they go right to exercise. Hmm. Nothing creates the kind of positive, lasting physiological change that you need to get going in the day better than movement. 
And it, I'm not partial. If you want to get out and just go for a long walk, that's fine. If you want to go do CrossFit, that's fine too. As long as it induces some kind of sweat, mm-hmm. right? That's right. creating the kind of physiological change that you're looking for. So they get up, they get moving, generally speaking. Follow that up with a healthy breakfast. And then more often than not, a little bit of quality work time. And this is the kind of, the kind of work, Tim, that is hard to do when you're surrounded by the work environment. It's mm-hmm. hard to do when people are calling you, emailing you, knocking on your door, asking for your ideas, advice, and or time. But this is oftentimes the most important work that the individual needs to get done all day. And these self-starters, they run right at it. As soon as they get up, get moving, and have a little bit of breakfast, they dive into that most important activity of the day. And maybe they work on it for a half hour, maybe they work on it for two hours, but importantly, they work on it every day. They reserve that high-intensity, quality work time at the start of their day every day. Well, I, I think you bring up a great point there as far as once you get into the, that busyness of the day and, and the people that are around you, that, that makes it extremely difficult. So I, I can appreciate you bringing up that being a, an extremely important aspect at the beginning of the day when it might only be the, the one chance you have to reflect. So I definitely, I think, a, a great portion of the advice there. Another area that gets busy and might bog you down is uh, email. And I, I'm a big fan of email because, you know, again, you can get to it when you need to as opposed to, you know, taking that call right away. But it obviously can cause some issues. Where is that disconnect between sort of that general employee and the ones that are self-starters and really, as you, as you put, crush it during the day? Email is a gift. Uh, I mean, it has totally transformed the way we communicate, and I think we have a lot of healthier, happier relationships because of the ease and accessibility of email. So I believe that email overall is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Where email becomes a bad thing is when it starts to dominate both your to-do list and your time. And what I see the difference between the, the real self-starters and everybody else, the real self-starters dedicate a very specific and fixed amount of time each day to reading and responding to email. The alternative scenario, the other folks, right, they have their email outlook or Gmail or whatever open on their computer all day long. Right. They have little notifications that pop up that says, look at me, you got an email. (laughs) They not only have those notifications set up on their computer and phones, but they also then click on those notifications immediately, almost reactively, Mm -hmm. right, when, whenever they pop, they pop up. The self-starters dedicate very fixed set amounts of time to email. Typically, that first what we call email chunk, right, for the, the real self-starter right. will occur after the most important bit of, act- of work has been done for the day. So if you imagine a typical work day starting at, say, 9 a.m., uh, maybe a little later uh, than, than most, but let's just say 9 a.m., if you came in and you worked on the most important activity of the day for 60 minutes, you check your email for the very first time at 10 a.m. Okay. or 10.30, depending upon how long you wanted to work on that, mo- that most important activity. Sure. That's the first time. Then maybe they'll come back to it once or twice more you know, around lunch and maybe mid-afternoon. But importantly, they are consciously deciding to check their email. And when they reach their time limit on email, they shut it down, close the, the program, and get back to sort of focused work at hand. Boy, I have to admit, that sounds pretty difficult. Uh, I, 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 will, I will say that while I'm not one to be checking my phone when I get up in the morning, I, I am one that's on, in the email quite a bit. So 
maybe something for me to to check into a little bit there. How about as far as actually spending the time like on emails? Uh, you know, sometimes it seems like an email is going to be better or quicker and other times a phone call seems good. Is there any sort of, I don't know, desired time when you're talking about an individual email? First, some of our work is inextricably linked to email. It sure. just requires us to send and receive emails. This exacerbates the challenge of actually liberating yourself from your email inbox and consciously deciding when and where and how to engage with it. So in the event that there are folks listening who say, gosh, I have to have my, I mean, I'm, I have to send and receive, e- I have to send emails at least. Right. And I'm re- reading and receiving emails all the time. What I suggest is turning off the ability for e- new email to come in when you're trying to write important emails, right? When you're responding to an important client request or you're, you're putting a proposal together, when you need focused attention on a specific project, that's when it's most critical to shut the email flow down. If you have to turn it right back on, that's fine. But having that single focus on the task at hand can have huge benefit on both the quality of what you're producing and the speed at which it's produced. So increase quality, increase efficiency without totally disconnecting yourself from your organization, from your colleagues by, you know, going on an email uh, hiatus if you just simply can't afford to do that. Sure. With respect to email and phone, just one quick comment here. Email has many, many virtues, but we also recognize and we see this in lots of particularly big organizations that email is also something of a crutch for folks who don't necessarily want to engage with their colleagues on a sort of a personal, the real relationship level. And as we're seeing increasingly, that, that hurts both the quality of the work environment. Uh, people don't quite know each other as well as they once did because we're only sending emails back and forth mm-hmm. as opposed to picking up the phone or dropping by an office to interact face-to-face or, or in person. So be conscious of how much time or what percentage of your communication is via email. Most of us could do a better job, it seems, instead of sending that email, maybe just popping by the office, maybe just picking up the phone and having a uh, a personal conversation as opposed to an electronic one. No, I think that that is a fair point as far as how the, the communication works nowadays. I think people can uh, definitely relate to what you're talking about there. We're getting close to the, the time here, but I wanted to get to a, a third point that I think people maybe don't always, um, they don't always realize that it might be affected. And that's the idea of money and money management, sort of your finances. If you could sort of summarize the idea there of where self-starters really differentiate themselves from the average Joe or Jane, uh, what would you point to in sort of a, a nutshell? Yeah, it, it, it's funny. I, I have been studying these self-starters over and over again. One of the things that just doesn't fuck when you're talking to real self-starters are concerns or issues around money, perceptions that I am not getting paid enough, like I shouldn't have to do this kind of work because it's not in my job or or role description. And when you peel back the onion a bit and try to understand like, well, how for so many of us, money has plays a a material role in our personal and professional decision-making. How do these self-starters think about money? And it's just something that uh, I never anticipated being a real focus of my work, but mm-hmm. inevitably it, it, it comes up all the time. And what we see is that self-starters, just like managing their communication, managing the start of their day uh, and managing their, their email, they also have a very specific way of managing their money and thinking about their personal finances. And among the, the things that I think are most common 
you know, the kinds of questions that these folks are asking. First and foremost, they're conscious of their cash flow. How much money's coming in? How much money's going out? As long as, and this is a b- view of self-starters, broadly speaking, mm-hmm. and I share it with the folks on the, on the line because I think it's a useful frame of reference. The men and women who often are the self-starters typically enjoy the work that they do. Right. You just can't overstate, uh, overstate the importance of, of enjoying the work. And so for them, the work itself is enjoyable. And while they may do it, quote unquote, for the money, right? The money may be important in order to provide for their family. They're not doing it explicitly for the money. So in order for this job to make sense, right, given that they already enjoy doing it, they got to be able to co- cover their bills uh, and save for, for retirement. So they're conscious of their cash flow. They're conscious of what they're spending their money on, uh, where it's going after they make it. And much like their mornings and their email inboxes, they spend a small, concerted, focused amount of time, typically each month, uh, just getting straight on what they have, what they need, and why financially. Well, again, I think it's important to bring those aspects up because we might not, uh, any of us might not realize what those effects have on us. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time here for this edition of Moving Up the Ladder, but we've been able to discuss some very key points, what separates uh, sort of the average individual from these uh, really extremely successful self-starters. So hopefully you can take these tips and strategies along with you and work them into your own life. We have been speaking today with Ben Sands. Once again, he's an author, coach, and the founder of Regret Free Life. And you can find him and his work at regretfreelife.net. Ben, thanks again for coming on, sharing some of these insights, uh, some of the people, uh, the characteristics that you found of these people that are true self-starters. So thanks for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure, Tim. Thank you. And of course, as always, if you're interested in sending us some ideas for a future topic, just email ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. We'd love to hear from you there as well. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. <music>